From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, July 7th. It's now expressly illegal to slackline between any man-made improvements on public lands in Grand County. After a 4-3 vote from Grand's commissioners last night, law enforcement can now cite slackliners for attaching ropes between bridges, communication towers, or any other essential infrastructure. Grand County Attorney Christina Sloan introduced the measure, which she said came at the request of state law enforcement. We've had um, an issue of late with black liners attaching to critical infrastructure on public land, such as our pedestrian bridge is a big one, but also some towers. Um, and we haven't had a clear way to cite them. In addition to making slacklining illegal, say, on the pedestrian bridge, the county's refined code makes encouraging that illegal behavior a crime as well. Sloan says law enforcement is... Having an issue with this, not just with slackliners, where you might have folks on Instagram um, bragging about how their buddy is doing something illegal, and we see that all the time. But we also have the e-bike issues that we also have had a hard time um, ticketing folks that are clearly encouraging illegal use of e-bikes and trails on federal land. So this addresses both of those. During last night's discussion, there was an allegation that some businesses renting e-bikes are knowingly encouraging their customers to ride in areas where they are not allowed, like the Moab Brands Trail. Grand County Administrator Chris Baird. They know that they're telling their customers, telling folks uh, to go ride these areas that they know are not legal. And so we do need some capacity to put a stop to that. I don't think it's good to just allow folks to continue to send people out into our delicate ecosystem and trail systems that weren't designed to deal with the kinds of things that they're sending them out there to do. This criminal responsibility for the conduct of another provision? Well, that means everyone who solicits, requests, commands, or encourages someone to engage in illegal activity on public lands in the county is made liable for that person's actions. This provision divided the commission. There was tension between giving law enforcement the tools they might need to stop criminal activity and setting up a situation where the law could overreach or even be abused. Commissioners Evan Clapper, Gabriel Wojtek, and Sarah Stock voted against it. Stock cited a concern about targeting public protesters or activists with these refined codes. The slacklining provision makes it expressly illegal to hang a banner, say, on a bridge, which is a very common form of illegal activism, direct action, done for a purpose with a statement. Not to say that that should necessarily be legal, but then the uh, criminal responsibility for the conduct of another would criminalize the training in direct action tactics, talking about attaching to bridges or anything like that. So I mean, I know people who do that. I know people who have been targeted for that kind of thing. And I just don't want to increase the possibility that folks are being blamed for other people's behavior and also being censored in that way. In a counterpoint, Trish Hedin wanted her fellow commissioners to consider advertisers and gear companies that may have supported illegal activity on public lands. In 2006, a brand ambassador for gear company Patagonia climbed Delicate Arch, And in 2014, a photograph of an illegal climb in Capitol Reef National Park appeared in the same company's clothing catalog. 
I mean, some of that encouragement that is promoted, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or literally advertisers. I mean, in the case that I'm talking about, it was Patagonia. Um, they put people at risk. And so I think you guys are kind of stuck on this activism piece and you're not thinking about what it's doing to our natural resources. The updated public lands policy squeaked by with four in favor and three against. Slacklining is now expressly not allowed on any man-made improvements like bridges and communication towers, and so is encouraging any illegal activity on public lands. The cost of housing has been rising in towns and regions across the West, including the Roaring Fork Valley in western Colorado. For some locals already dealing with housing insecurity, COVID-19 was a tipping point. KDNK's Kathleen Shannon reports on a new effort to connect those people to assistance. When you're dealing with the overwhelming stress of trying to find a job, where are kids getting education, where are we going to live These can be overwhelming days. Jennifer Weary is the executive director of Alpine Legal Services, a nonprofit that uses monetary donations to provide free legal advice and representation in court. This agency has been around for more than 25 years, but the group received five times more calls for housing assistance in May of this year than it did in May 2019. The increase comes even as many face barriers to finding aid, such as lack of access to reliable internet and not speaking English. So what we were finding is that people were too overwhelmed to really navigate the system. They needed personal help. They needed a human. So this March, a group of nonprofits, including Alpine Legal Services, launched Bridging Resources, a helpline operating under Aspen Community Foundation's umbrella as a guide to a pre-existing network of support. When someone calls the line, a bilingual navigator connects the caller to agencies that can help provide food, rental assistance, child care, or other services. So far, most calls come from women who have families and are seeking housing assistance. And an equal number of Spanish speakers and English speakers have called the line. Some of our callers, it's their first time. They have no idea where to go, what to do to ask for help. Jocelyn Rivas is the Bridging Resources Program Coordinator. She handles calls, but can't always field them as they come in. That's when the follow-up process starts, and Rivas says that's a huge part of her job. We do call them twice, different days, different times. We leave a voice message, and then we also send a text. In the program's first 10 weeks, Rivas says 78 callers received assistance, and she's adapted the program to what she's learned so far. Rivas is bilingual, but not all her partner agencies have Spanish-speaking staff. So she's advocated for translation services. She's also expanded her method of follow-up. First, we were just referring people. So we were giving them, you know, a list of places that they can call. And we found out that we actually needed to make the connection between the agency and the caller. Um, So now what we're doing is if somebody calls in, we'll go ahead and call the agency with them. The go-to agency for those facing eviction or those who fear they may soon is Alpine Legal Services. Jenny Weary, who we heard from earlier, recommends that tenants who may have trouble paying rent should start a conversation with their landlords early on. She knows that discussion can be difficult, but Weary says landlords are more likely to negotiate with advanced notice. The further upstream we can go to prevent 
these evictions from ever starting in the first place. That's where we're going to stop the ripple effect of these problems. So bridging resources can help callers navigate the system. But that system offers more Band-Aids than long-term solutions. Federal eviction moratorium was just extended from the end of June to July 31st. But the cost of living in the Roaring Fork Valley is still rising. It was $1,900 plus utilities, plus water, plus trash, plus gas. It came out to over $2,500 or more. Way too much for me. Glenwood Springs resident Sonia started a search for a new home for herself and her two sons after going through a divorce. Soon after securing housing, her dad passed away from COVID-19. And she took a week off work to travel to the funeral, which she also helped pay for. When she got behind on the bills, the Salvation Army paid one month of Sonia's utilities, and she used free legal consultations with Alpine Legal Services to work through her divorce. But still, her pile of bills is mounting. While she's been fighting to hold on to housing... You know, when the attorney asked me that, well, can you even afford it? Like, it's just kind of degrading. Well, yeah, I could have afforded it if I didn't have all this other stuff that happened to me. Jenny Weary says she hears from a lot of people whose financial difficulties are compounding because the cost of living keeps rising. The stories we hear are compelling enough in and of themselves. What we worry most about is the stories we aren't hearing. That's one data point that's hard to measure. Who is still being overlooked or is unwilling to reach out? Weary says that stable housing helps people get and maintain work, provide for family, and more. And a lack of housing contributes to mental health issues. Rivas sees evidence of this in many fur calls through Bridging Resources. Sometimes we're the only ones that they've talked to about, you know, whatever problem they're going through. So a lot of it is about just kind of letting them vent to you or just cry over the phone. Just by listening, you're doing so much. For KDNK and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Kathleen Shannon. This story is part of a Rocky Mountain Community Radio reporting collaboration on affordable housing funded by the Solutions Journalism Network. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, July 7th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.